Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Guys in a Garage. I'm here today again with JJ Rocco. What's up? Is it the, <laughs> am I the first three timer? Uh, yeah, actually, I think you. Well, wow. no. Is this the third time or is it the fourth? It could be fourth. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's either. I think it's fourth. Because if you count my, the one with Jameson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you've the, been on several yeah, times. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm honored. Yeah. You might I feel like everybody. the uh, Saturday Night Live guys that do the monologues and they got like those little golden jackets or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you ever see that skit with all of them? Yes, I think uh, a while ago. Yeah. yeah, Justin Timberlake is like has the record for amount of times that he's done. That's it, crazy that he's hosted. Yeah, yeah, the Golden Jacket Club. Yeah, the Golden Jacket <laughs> Club. I'm ready for my jacket. <laughs> I could probably get a hoodie made. Yeah, <laughs> hoodies are great. Yeah, golden, everyone, golden everyone, hoodie club. Everyone in our family loves hoodies. Who doesn't love hoodies? Yeah. Well, my wife just gave me this great hoodie for my birthday and it's uh, waterproof. It's got this insulation lining in it. I mean, I actually took a nap in it the other day. It was so comfortable. But the thing that I never have experienced in a hoodie, which is cool in this one, inside the hand pouch is a zipper pocket. What? So, what, you know, when I use my keys or wallet and I put them in the pouch, sometimes I get a little anxious. Like, wouldn't, might they slide out if I'm, you know. So it has like a, like a built-in fanny pack? Yeah, and you put your hands in there and you zip it. Yeah, and you just slide it right in. It can fit my phone and fit my keys. That's rad. It's awesome. Let's be honest. Your wife bought her a hoodie and I, gave it to you to well, hold. Well, she loves hoodies. She's got, she has, <laughs> I think her collection, she now has more hoodies than I do. Yeah. Uh, but I told her, she's got to get one of these for, hers are all traditional hoodies. They're not like this. This is like next level hoodie. Yeah, I'm just saying that's yeah. what they do is... Yeah. They buy you hoodies and then they steal them. Yeah, well, I mean, she's free to sit. It is a little snug, so she probably would fit into it better than I would. You reminded me of The Simpsons. When they, I don't know if it's season one or two, and, and Homer buys Marge a bowling ball for her birthday. Oh, I remember that it episode. it says Homer on it. Right? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, here, happy birthday. And yeah. she's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take bowling lessons. <laughs> I'll show you. Uh, yeah. Right? And then she was going out to the bowling alley like every night. And yeah got it you know in good with the guys and all oh, that yeah, stuff the french guy yep he started getting all jealous yeah he, she was on the threshold of an affair yeah yeah um yeah it's kind of like um buying your wife a fishing pole or yeah fake boobs yeah it's it's for you she and, and and there's a big mismatch in our marriage in that she's so much better truly at like gifts than i am oh yeah i just have such a hard time with gifts although i have been getting better but uh yeah, she's she knows what to she knows what I want and like and need and she's it's, it's like very easy for her to do that and for me it's been like an ongoing thing like every Christmas I think I have to do like four or five gifts and hope like one like you know resonates. Yeah, yeah, I am the world's worst gifter. Like if you don't give me a list, then you're probably going to end up with like a can of silly string and a Rubik's cube right. and a silly putty because that's shit that I would play with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things that I find fun. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's always been uh, MRI's thing is watches because I'm a big watch guy. Mm -hmm. And so because she actually thinks of this stuff, she's always been the one to buy me watches mm -hmm. on my birthday or on Christmas because her whole thing was she always liked to see if she could nail my taste. And there's only been one that she ever got that I was kind of like, nah, you can send that one back. But otherwise she's <laughs> nailed your Otherwise, watches. yeah, she's nailed it almost oh, every time. Very yeah. good. Yeah, it shows how much attention I pay. Yeah. I'm just not good at gifts, man. It's, I'm not. The question is, are you willing or wanting to get better? Oh, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things on the list of stuff to 
work on, you know, self-improvement. Yeah. So then what would the strategy be? Like, like, let's just say you, you want to get a gift for someone, whoever it is, like, how would you go about learning? Like what might be the best gift for them instead of like what you would want and you would think, right. Well, I think, um, I think mindfulness, you know, and you know, I was talking about this with John Smith on the Mm -hmm. last episode, Mm -hmm. mindfulness. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is definitely the number one being mindful and actually thinking about the person that you're trying to buy for. And, uh, you know, just considering the things that they like, stuff like that, which that's what the mindfulness plays into. If you don't know anything about the person, then yeah, it's hard to buy a gift for somebody. And if you don't know anything about a person that you want to buy a gift for, you fucked up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, you, you should be able to buy a gift for somebody if you know them, if you actually pay attention to what they talk about and the things that they like and stuff like that. So, so verbal cues, yeah, verbal cues or, uh, or even, um, just everyday cues if you're out and about, you know, and, uh, you know, things like your wife goes, Oh wow, I really like this dress, you know, or something like that. She doesn't buy it, but you can tell that she likes it. Mm -hmm. So maybe you go back to the store the next day and you buy it for her and you just throw it in a closet until her birthday, like three months from now. Yeah. That uh, issue uh, discussion kind of came up in our text exchange and that buying her clothing or buying someone clothing is dicey. Like it is, it is dicey socks or gloves. It is. But when you, I think in an, in an example like that, right again, mindfulness. So if you're, if you're truly paying attention and she's showing you this dress that she really likes, (coughs) excuse me. Um, you know, you just pay attention and maybe you look at, what rack she pulled it off of, or you, you go into, you know, the closet and you look at the last dress that she wore and find the size, which can be dicey because sizes are always different, Mm -hmm. but it'll still give you a track to follow, you know, so that you can say, okay, well, she wears this size in this other dress. This one looks, you know, about like it would fit her you know, and it just gives you something to go. It can be dicey, but yeah, I would it's not impossible. Yeah. And it also depends on the kind of woman. That is, uh, I, I never, true. I think one time, yeah, I bought Amariah, uh, something in the clothing area mm-hmm. just because of that reason. And I think we discussed it once she said, don't ever buy me clothes cause mm-hmm. you'll fuck it up. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you're right. I'm right. Well, the one time I did though, I nailed it. So. Oh, well that's good. <laughs> I would say, well, uh, my question is I, the word mindfulness is still just so slippery and I kind of struggle with it. Like what exactly is, I know people talk about it a lot and they try and teach it in some, you know, schools, but I don't know exactly how I could define it and how I know when I'm being mindful and when I'm not. It really is just, just paying attention to things and noticing things that maybe you, maybe you normally wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like, you know, when, when we're out, when the fellas are out and we're just, uh, you know, having coffee or we're just sitting chit chat bullshit and whatever, you know, I mean, there's, I'm on the conversation, you know, I'm talking to you guys, I'm still being mindful. I'm trying to be, I'm listening to what you're saying so that I can answer and have a good conversation. But when you're talking about somebody that you either care for or that you're interested in dating, stuff like that, then you've got to tune that up. Instead of running at, you know, 50%, you need to be at least 90% and you need to be paying attention to little cues, little things that, you know, he or she says, you know, how they, how they carry themselves in a conversation with you, uh, a certain look maybe, or, 
when, when, when you talk about making a move with somebody, right. Especially when it's a guy trying to make a move with a gal. And I think we talked about this earlier. It can be, it doesn't have to be some big grand gesture, even just putting your hand on the small of a woman's back and helping her into the car or through a door. I mean, that's a move. It's subtle, but it's putting that out there that like, Hey, I am interested in you. So if she's being mindful, which most women are, they're going to pick up on that. And the same goes for men too. If you're being mindful and you're paying attention to what she's saying and how she's looking at you and things like that. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of stuff that you can pick up on, but that goes for everything. It's not just in the dating world. But going from 50 to 90% is that is a tool for that reflective listening, you know, yeah. repeat back to them, maybe something that you heard or what you thought you heard or being more inquisitive or. Yeah, you know. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Actually, actually asking questions, you know, about the things that uh, the person's talking about. Cause I confess, you know, I've kind of got an ADD type mind. So if the, <laughs> so if the, if the conversation is even either I'm engaged and I'm listening, if something will come out like in the coffee shop, like out of nowhere, like I'll hear something or someone else, like my, my mind can kind of like stray. Yeah. And then I know I'm not being as mindful as I could. I need to like return, you know, to, to be more attentive and listening. So that happens to me on occasion, you know? Yeah. I mean, it just takes practice, man. Yeah. Just takes practice. Like meditation. It's the same thing, right? And you get a thought comes in, you have to let it go. You have to get back to, you know, just concentrating your breathing or whatever. Yeah. Well, just doing this show is so long that I've been doing it now. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had to learn mindfulness and how to, to carry on a conversation better. And I'm always being mindful too these days about when I'm talking to somebody, right? Cause we were just talking about this Ken too, the whole, um, uh, like, yes, you know, saying that all the time. So I'm constantly now being mindful of what I'm saying and how I'm saying it because I want to make my conversations better. So mindfulness really is, it's not any one little thing. It's just whatever it is that you want to focus on and trying to take baby steps to start with. And eventually you get better at it. Anything you practice at, you will get better at it. Yes. I just don't know how good I actually am. I haven't had feedback to someone to tell me and maybe my you know subpar gift giving might be the feedback that i'm not as mindful as i should be or can be to what my wife might like as a gift yeah well i mean if it's something you really want to work on then hey you know just start buying her gifts every once in a while and then see how she reacts to it you know just give a gauge you're just being mindful of giving her a gift and you're working from a place where okay she likes these things I think she would really dig this. And then you buy it and you give it to her for no damn reason at all. Right. And then you just kind of gauge, you know, how I'm, she feels about it. I'm much better at the writing of the card that goes with the gift. Mm, that's what, yeah. I've, that's what I've practiced over the years or that's what I've enjoy, I guess more yeah. is the words that connect me to the other person. Yeah. Well, even, even just buying a card and putting the words in there, if that's your thing, you know, I mean, there's a reason she's with you, right? <laughs> maybe she digs yeah. your writing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that would mean something to her. Mm-hmm. That can still be a gift. Yes. Writing, true. writing a, you know, a love letter to her for no damn reason at all. And just leaving it on her pillow or something after you go to work. Yes. I did write her a thank you note recently as a surprise. And she thanked me when she got it. And I think she was surprised. Yeah. And, you know, it's made the trip to the post office a little bit less mundane and more like, Oh, I got, I got a letter. 
got something to actually want to open. Yeah. Hey there, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. There you go. There you go. You're, you're ready for karaoke. You're warming up for tonight already. Oh, yeah. I don't know about tonight. I got a, I got a card game going on tonight. Oh, good for you. We'll see. Yeah. I may end up going out after that. Yeah. Last night was a lot of fun, though. Your social calendar is cranking now. It is. Yeah. It's getting pretty busy. Mm. I'm enjoying it, though. Good for you, man. Yeah. Learning how to be more of a people person. Getting out there and uh, just talking to people. Yeah. See how things go. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. I was wondering if that was your crypto leisure. That's just a no, thumb drive. No, it's not my Bitcoin. I knew you talked about like crypto <laughs> in the past. No, I need to get some Bitcoin. I need to look it up, as I would say. Yeah. Uh, just follow. Did I share with you that uh, anti-Jim Cramer ETF? You know who Jim Cramer is, right? That uh, mad money, that bald guy. Yeah, the, the name rings a bell. He's yeah. on NBC or MSNBC. He's got the sleeves, sleeves up. rolled up. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you now. Like, you know, FTX is solid. You know, it's like you had Jim Cramer. Jim Cramer. Mad money. Mad money. Yeah. I mean, he's the one that was talking about like SVP is safe. And then SVP goes down like the next day. So I I bring him up because he said something recently about crypto. He's just like, yeah, if I were you, I'd sell this. I'd sell your Bitcoin right now. And like the next day, Bitcoin went up like 14%. Well, yeah, he's like, he's like another, um, Oh, there I go again. My brain's not working. I should have took some alpha brain before this. Uh, he's like another Elon Musk. You know, like if he talks about something in a market, it's probably going to go one way or the other. Yeah. And well, the, so someone started a negative Kramer ETF. So they watch the show, whatever he talks up, they bet against or they short. And that ETF that they created based on going against whatever this guy says is now up like 15%. Like it's beating the market. Oh, is this it? In, inverse yes. Kramer Tracker ETF overview there you market go. watch. Well, it was. <laughs> yeah. So someone created this. So I thought that was hysterical. Yeah. Marketwatch.com. So, investing. yeah. Things it's interesting. Are, so this is just basically shorting whatever the hell he says. Yes, exactly. On his That's show. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he made sense years ago when I, we heard him on the radio. We used to listen to this AM station. This is probably the years before XM. And the guy would have him on weekly. And his advice was just, if you want to invest in stocks, just invest in stuff that you're already buying. So if you go and you, you're dedicated and loyal to Heinz ketchup for your French fries, buy like Mm. some stock in Heinz. And you know, when he said that, it's kind of made sense. It does make sense. And when, uh, you know, we used to shop a lot at Target, I'm like, okay, my mind's going to be more at ease if I just buy Target stock. So my wife and daughter want to go shop at Target. Like, yeah, you have a great time. Like, yeah, that'll help us talk. You know, so it's like, yeah, so that made sense. But recently, I think he's kind of gone a little bit off the deep end. So if you haven't seen that um, documentary, uh, Eat the Rich, I think it's called Eat the Rich. It's about Wall Street bets. Mm. So I know Jameson knows about this, too. It's about uh, the whole Robin Hood thing. And how the, oh, yeah. and the, the Robin Hood investment app and, and all that and, and GameStop. GameStop. Yeah, that yeah. was insane. Yeah. So there's a whole documentary on that. I think it's a three part documentary. He was featured at the beginning of that. And uh, he was the one saying, you know, GameStop, basically get out. <laughs> it's gone down. And so, yeah, it went up real fast. Yeah. And anytime that happens, dude, it's a bubble. Yeah. And then you realize who actually oh, yeah, the, the GameStop saga the, on Netflix. Then you actually realize who the 
client is, right? So these hedge funds had so much money. They're the ones that are actually making the transactions. Robinhood's just kind of like a middleman type right. of thing. And so they stopped making the transactions. And Robinhood at one time you just woke up. You're, I mean, GameStop stock is going rocket sky high. Then they wake up one morning and they can't buy anymore. All they can do is sell. Mm. And so force it, boom. Just yeah, drop. I remember that. Yeah. Robinhood stopped. Yep. Uh, they put a halt on buying, yep. which is kind of ridiculous. Well, it's, it made perfect sense because the, the head guy, I can't remember his name now, um, who was in this hedge fund, who apparently has got the most expensive real estate property in the country, mm. he basically just said, you know, shut it down. Like, you work for us, not for the capital investors. Or, yeah, right. I just I didn't agree with them, you know, pushing a button and pausing, you know, the trade. Yeah. Back and forth. That, that, that was something I just didn't agree with. It kind of irked me a little bit. I understand the, the idea behind it and what they were doing. It just bothered me that they did it. It's market manipulation. Yeah, right? it is. So it's like the people that are crying like free market, free market. And believe me, I want to have faith in the free market. Right. Right. But when somebody can just push a button and say, nope, you can't buy, you can only sell. Well, then that's not a free market. Exactly. Yeah. I if mean, it's going to go down, it's going to go down and let it go down naturally. Let it do what it's going to do. Right. So that's kind of, you're reminding me of my response to anyone who says like, oh, well, that's not real socialism. We got to try real socialism. You know, they, 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 right. So my response would be like, well, what you're blaming on capitalism isn't real capitalism. Yeah. Why don't you try real capitalism? Right. And then maybe you'll see a different outcome. You're blaming everything on capitalism. Like socialism is the answer. Like it's never really been tried. Well, capitalism really hasn't been tried. Not with all this market manip manipulation going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, th I think, uh. I think there needs to be a healthy balance between the two. Like I think that they, the capitalism and socialism can dance together fairly well as long as it's done properly. The problem is, you know, greed always has been and always will be. So it's possible, but very unlikely that that scenario would happen. Yeah. Explain in, a per, in a perfect world, it would be, it would be awesome. But. Expl explain to me how the socialism and capitalism dance well together and how in your, let's just say your utopia, like you could wave a wand and you can make a Dave utopia. Well, I don't know about that because I'm a fucking moron. I don't know shit about, uh, you know, well, I don't much, know but, that, but. The, the one thing that I think of is we already have certain degrees of socialism, right? We all pay. Sure. I mean, when you go and you register your car, they charge fees and all that stuff for, you know, EMTs and things like that. Um, a lot of the money that you're putting into taxes supposedly goes to roads and everything else. So we're all paying into this, this form of socialist system where we all pay for something that benefits everybody. So there are certain things like that. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, if you were to look at healthcare and stuff like that, I mean, I, I think that is definitely something that we could benefit from. I'm not saying that we should go strictly to a socialist healthcare system that's only run by the government. There should always be an option for privatized healthcare, in my opinion. If you want to pay for insurance, you should be able to do that. But there should still be some level, I believe, of, of social healthcare that anybody can get on so that people can be taken care of. Yeah, so. and you're a health, you're a healthcare guy, so I mean, tell me if I'm talking out of my ass, but well, you're not necessarily because what you say is true. These things do exist, but I would also my pushback would be: is something like a road so sophisticated to make that a private company couldn't do it? And there are some mm. places in the world, Southern California being one of them that I know, that there's private highways. 
you pay an, a little an extra fee. So some people don't want to do it because they think, as you just stated, they already paid their taxes mm. in this public road. But other people that have some money that they can use, they be, you know what, I'm not going to sit in this parking lot of traffic when I can pay an additional fee and be on this highway going 80, getting to my destination more quickly. And that's a private road. Yeah. Right. And so going to healthcare now, I saw it at one of my former places of employment when I worked in Rancho Mirage, California, in the imaging center, there was two waiting rooms. There was a waiting room for the majority of people, right? Mm. People on Medicare. And there's a private VIP waiting room. So in the architecture of this building, they were basically telling anyone that entered, you're either just an average Joe or you're special. You're yeah. a very important person. Yeah. So you tell me that there's not a two-tiered, at least two-tiered level of healthcare. Right, right? there is. That just exists. Yeah. And that will always exist. Oh, yeah. You know, you think Bill Gates is going to have the average hospitalist, you know, who's a foreign medical graduate, like taking care of him at bedside in which there's some crisis? Of course not. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, and then you saw a lot of what they call concierge medicine, right? So you don't want to go through insurance. You will pay cash on the barrel head for a doctor, supposedly a very skilled doctor, but you have access to them 24 seven, 365. You've been, you pay a nice chunk of cash. Remember, this doesn't exonerate you from paying all your taxes that you already mentioned for Medicare and for everything else into the government. You pay in addition to have this concierge doctor kind of at your beck and call. You know, we were friendly with uh, a concierge doctor and his wife, and we went out to dinner with them. And getting through one dinner was just painful, not necessarily for me, but for him, because he was responding to texts and phone calls. And you know, old ladies, it's like my heart's like palpating. You know, I, my morning of my digoxin level is too high. And he's got to deal with this all the time. <laughs> the good side for the person who pays the cash is heaven forbid they have to be admitted to the hospital. They will see that same doctor. That doctor will show up at their bedside because they've paid them to take care of them the entire way. Yeah. The way the system works is for most people with insurance, you pay your insurance you, or you pay into Medicare and you get to see your doctor as long as your blood pressure is fine. Right. You get to see them at the clinic every six months or every however they want to see you. They can adjust the meds, take your blood pressure when it hits the fan. And when you have a hypertensive crisis and you see the emergency room doctor, who you don't know, and he decides he's going to meet you to the ICU. You see an ICU doctor you don't know at all. Who's just there in the hospital taking care of hospital people. So now this friendly face when the times were good that you saw regularly is nowhere to be found because he's still in the clinic seeing other people that are, can be dealt with on an outpatient basis. And you have a completely new person in charge of the boat that is your life. Mm. And they don't know anything about you except for what they saw on paper. Right. And, you know, heaven forbid they even make a phone call to have a conversation with the person who's been taking care of you for years in the clinic. So this is how, this is just one small example of how the system has totally, mm. you know, <laughs> I may have mentioned to you that I have uh, ongoing texts with friends from college, one who's an attorney yeah. and one who's a school teacher. And we always will find headlines to support our argument of like, which system is like the most jacked up, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> Legal system, education system, or medical system. You know, you're always just trying to one up each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, I think 2020 and beyond has kind of made me the champion. Like after what the uh, medical system yeah. pulled on everyone, I don't think that, I don't think they, the legal system or educational system can beat me. Although it's, it's probably pretty close. Well, did you ever, so that, that everything you were talking about, did you ever see the movie Elysium with Matt Damon? 
I want to say yes, but I don't recall a lot of it. So it's, it's, uh, it's like a futuristic. Know, yeah. So it's like futuristic and you know, he's kind of like an ex con, just some dude working a job and on earth, everything is just a fucking shit show. Mm-hmm. Like it's just kind of desolate. Everything looks like it's bombed out. Like it's, you know, after world war three or something like that. But everyone who lives still on the planet, I mean, we're all just a bunch of, I mean, almost slaves. We're just kind of garbage. You know, it's rampant poverty. Nobody really has anything. And we just work, 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 work. And I mean, if you pay attention to how they treat him, there's anything that we have for HR and stuff these days. I mean, it's blatantly clear that all of that is just out the door, you know. But then there's Elysium, which is the space station up there that they've created this like utopia on and they have they have these medical beds and anybody that lives there i mean people have them in their house you got cancer today oh well just lay down in this medical bed and within five minutes it's gone oh well you have uh you know pancreatitis or something oh just lay down in this medical bed five minutes you're you're done you're fine like they have this technology that can fix anything and take care of anyone but they only have it up there so only the elites that live up there on Elysium have access to this technology. And it's stupid. If well, you can do that, then why not just put it down on the planet for everybody? So why do you think? Why wouldn't they? That's, that's the question. Well, why why wouldn't they? they? they it's class is tourist shit. Yeah. Yeah, there's always got to be somebody that's better. Right. And it's like, let's decry the patriarchy. Yeah. Again, like, oh, well, the system is still there. Yeah. But right? that, also, that also points to human nature. In, in my opinion, is that there will always be, you know, people that have to be better than everybody else. And I think a lot of it is control. Yeah, right? it is. They want control over these other people, other people's lives. They want to virtue signal, say, I'm better than you, you know? Right. And that's the, what I, what I feel is the great thing about America still is that it's getting harder, but if you want more, it's still possible to attain it. Now, if you look at, you know, our, our education system and how, what is it, uh, you know, a college degree, the price for that has risen, what, like 500% since the eighties. And yet our wages have only risen, what, maybe 15%. Right. I mean, that's ridiculous. Tuition's going up, you know, thousands of dollars every fucking year. Right. And there's why? Well, because the administrators, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you go to any college campus, if I were to return to my campus, which I haven't done since 2014, the only new buildings I see are all administrative buildings. Right. Because they got to have meetings to discuss when the next meeting is. Yeah. They're not teaching anyone. It's not like yeah, professor, they're, they're, it's not like professor's salaries are going up. Yeah. They're not right? doing anything. They're doing the same thing that, you know, our government does where they go to pass a bill. And in that somewhere in the fine print is you know, a nice uh, salary bump for themselves. But the universities are, and they don't do anything. They don't really work except for maybe a month, you know, total out of the year. They contribute to the process of owning the young minds and putting them completely into debt slavery. Right. Because now there's people that are, and how do people, how do debt slaves behave? Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to toe the party line. I'm not going to think independently because if I say anything, I'm going to be cut off from my means of paying back this debt. Mm-hmm. And this debt is going to be around my neck forever. Yeah. Right. And I'll never get rid of this debt. But all that being said, what I was leading into is that I feel like, I feel like it is still possible in this country, as long as you play the game and 
you're willing to work your ass off and make some sacrifices uh, and go without for a while. It is still possible to put your all in, get an education and come out on the other side with a means to be that elite or to work up to that elite level if that's what you really want. Because when you look at how hard those elites actually work, I mean, maybe not so much, you know, all the time, but I mean, look at Elon Musk. I mean, that guy, he never stops. I don't don't even know when he sleeps, you know? I mean, he gets what, like five, six hours a night and half the time it's on a gigafactory floor. And that guy doesn't fuck around. There's something to be said about that kind of dedication. There really is. And I mean, it's half and half. I think there's half the people that hate his guts and they think he's a moron. And then there's the other half that think he's a genius, which if you've ever listened to him on Joe Rogan or just listened to him talk at all, he really is a genius. I mean, yeah. But Musk aside, what you said, which is the, which I see is the problem is you said, work your ass off. And you said Mm -hmm. the word hard work hard. Mm -hmm. That has been basically bred out of the younger generation That's and, very you, true. and you know that more than That's i do true. because you have to hire and interact with people that you might have at your job yep. you know i just talked to the guy at uh, all seasons rv yesterday and he had to fire someone because they were too lazy wouldn't work and the other guy quit because they thought you know, the boss was too controlling. So yeah. finding help. And that's why we see help wanted signs everywhere because no one wants to do exactly what you said, work your ass off, work hard yeah. and take advantage of this opportunity. They want to basically to go to the gas station and when they're filling up, you know, their Honda Civic to scratch off like a couple things from like a little tab and like win the lottery and that's it. Yeah. And their life is great. Yeah. Everybody wants the, everybody wants the nice car and the boat and the big screen TV to watch the game on. And they want all of this awesome stuff, but nobody wants to put in the fucking effort to get it. Absolutely. And that is 100% the problem. Right. And, and why should they? Because work hard, play hard. That is absolutely true. You should be, if you're not working your ass off throughout the week at whatever it is you do, whether you enjoy it or not, but if you're good at it, you know, or you can at least learn something from it so that you can move into something else that you do enjoy. I mean, man, take advantage of that. But if you're not busting your ass every day that you're doing whatever it is you do, then you are failing. And then on the weekend, when you have your time off, then you need to be prioritizing that time so that you can play hard and enjoy your time away from that grind, from that work. But I mean, how is that person going to even be trained or taught to do that type of grinding? You know, little Johnny, like, okay, he's out in the backyard with the orange cones, dribbling a soccer ball, working all the time with his dad. He's gotten really great at soccer. His skills are incredible. And Jimmy over there who just shows up, never goes to practice. He's got, you know, chocolate bar all over his face. He comes and he he goes to the medal stand and gets the same trophy. He still gets his trophy. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So Johnny's like, why am I? Unless he really loves soccer and doing that, which is possible. But yeah. why would he love it if he's not getting, you know, part of loving something is like to get some accolades and some validation from outside yourself. Yeah. That's the way human beings still work. Right. That's what ends up being a nice guy. If you do it to the extreme, if you can depend only on that validation outside yourself, but you know, if you are good at something, you've worked hard to become good at something that someone else coming along and getting equal recognition to you. Yeah. You know that that's nonsense. It is nonsense. And and, and, yeah. and that doesn't help. It's a huge problem you. with rewarding mediocrity. And that's, and that rewarding mediocrity, mediocrity is exactly what has landed us where we are now. Yeah. 
because now it's nobody wants to work nobody wants to fight nobody wants to go after anything and why would you why would you if you can just sit around and do nothing and get the same as everybody else why would you want to right we're human beings and we're driven towards comfort we are driven towards we are driven towards laziness we really are we want to we want the most we can get for the least amount of work and that really sucks because you get the best reward from the hardest that you ever work. And people won't experience that because they're not driven to do it. Yeah, they're not. They're not taught or driven to do it. Yeah. And talk about like the least amount of work, the least amount of work. What about your demographic? You happen to be born, right, with a darker skin color of a uh, minority ethnicity <laughs> or something else. And now the, system, way of dancing around the, the system will dancing the, around that. Well, well so I just saw, <laughs> I just saw a picture, a uh, composite of welcome our new Stanford, you know, physician graduate, our new, our new surgeons that graduated from the residency program. Mm. And every single person was a person of color and there was only one male. So what I'm getting at is, as you said, you don't have to necessarily work hard, right? You just take the easy way out. You're based on your demographics. You're going to get rewarded. Yeah. Because that's the way the world is now. They want, they're so focused on your demographics. Right. They want to make sure that you have a different sexual persuasion, skin color, and ethnicity to get a position in the current, you know, administrate presidential administration than they are in competency. Yeah. Right. So no one cares about competency. Right. So it's like you're going to go in, you're in a car wreck and you need a trauma surgeon to work on you. It's like, well, I'm glad that they have this diversity hire here. You know, that's really going to help me live. Or you're the person that's just like freaking competent. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's mutually exclusive, but if I was in the person's position that I was a minority or I was a person of color that, you know, was given a leg up, so to speak, just because of that, I'd be kind of pissed. I'd be like, you know what? I can play this game. Just I'm just as smart as you. Like, give me the same test, mm -hmm. right? I'm not getting this because of who, what I look like, you know, or that I'm a minority. I'm getting this because I my aptitude is as good, if not better, than yours. And I will show you, right? right. That's the same thing. I never understood, like, why, you know, for example, in California, they want to print ballots in all these different languages well you're telling the people that came to the united states that you're too stupid to learn english hmm. right and so, so if i went to italy and they're not going to print like a ballot in english for me to vote i'm now an italian citizen you're telling me oh you're, you're going to print a ballot for me because i'm too stupid to learn italian that's how i interpret it it's like you're you're really just condescending you know to to some of these people and i don't know i don't know how people don't see that like yeah. that's the actual racism Right. Yeah. I know we're getting on. I know you probably didn't want to. <laughs> I, whatever, I'm, man. I don't care. I'm I'll putting, jump in anything. I'm putting, my, putting my testicles on the third rail here <laughs> and see they're going to get fried off. No, I think, uh, I, th I think this whole idea of, I mean, it's a real thing that companies can get tax incentives for diversity hiring, whether it's women, whether it's people of color. And personally, I think that's fucking insulting. I really do. If we want true equality, well, then let's put this on the same playing field. Now, has there been in the past and probably still today? I mean, I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen, but has there always been um, an issue with somebody maybe picking the white guy over the black guy just because? Yeah, of course. But now it's shifted in a lot of places the other way. They look at, you know, hiring the black guy as, oh, well, we can claim him on our taxes. They want the tax break. Yeah. In 
in my a- position, I don't give a shit where you come from, what you look like, who you are. If you are suited to the job or I sat down with you and it was a great interview and I had a conversation with you and you might not know anything about the job that I'm hiring for, but you have a great personality and I can tell that you have a willingness to learn and a drive. I'm probably going to hire you. I've had a lot of great people come through that came from all walks of life, from different backgrounds, different colors, creeds. I don't give a shit. And that's really how it should be everywhere. It really is. Because in your own self-interest for your business, these tax breaks aside, you're more compelled to be drawn towards competency and ability yeah. than you are ethnicity mm-hmm. and cultural background. That that doesn't help you when you need someone to actually perform the duties of the job. Right. Yeah. In my opinion, I mean, anyone of color who's going for a job, I mean, if there's even a notion that you got this job because of you know, your skin color or because of where you come from or something, or because you're a female, you should be insulted too at the fact that that company is probably going to get a kickback for hiring you. You really should be, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's just- because, because then you don't know, you don't know. Did you get hired because you really are the best pick for this job? Did you get hired on your merit? Did they look at your resume and they saw your education or, um, you know, your, your work history, the things that you've done, did they call any of your references? Uh, you know, have they really checked you out? Are they, are they hiring you for you and what you can do? Or are they just hiring you because they'll get a kickback and because it looks good? Well, it's complying with the, the current culture. Yeah. I mean, that's what they want. The, the current culture is just, I don't know. I don't know what's going to change it. And unless there's some kind of parallel society that's established. Yeah. It's fucking sad. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the stuff that whatever, I'll just say it, the stuff that this woke culture horseshit pushes to try and make things equal. It's not equal. Yeah. It's really not. We'll see. And it's and it's from in my opinion, it's formed mostly from the left. But there's a lot of horseshit on the right as well, which is why I'm I try to just kind of go right down the middle, you know. Well, yeah. Let you're, me let me cherry pick the good stuff. You're an orphan. <laughs> you're you're a political party orphan. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it. I think it mostly comes from that, you know. And they push all this horseshit about equality and all that. Well, here's the plain truth, everybody. Nobody's fucking special. We are not all equal. Some of us are better at some things than some others. Does that make you better than somebody? No, it doesn't. Because everybody is really good at something. Find out what that something is and go with it. Figure it out. And once you figure it out, work your ass off to make it into something that works for you. And that's, that's really just the, that's really just the nuts and bolts of it. Well, what's funny to me is you you talk about equality and then the new world culture permits for biological males to show their superiority in women's sports. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Isn't that funny? Where, where are all the feminists? Yeah. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to favor a birthing person as they call them now? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's such a bizarro clown world. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's a tough one. Cause I mean, do what you want to do, be who you want to be. You should feel free to be who you feel that you are, but I'm sorry. It's male or female. It is binary one and zero. I mean, that's all there is. You can believe whatever the hell you want to believe. It doesn't make it fucking real. Sometimes at night when I'm sleeping, I believe that I'm a Abrams tank and I can fucking blow shit up with my mind, but 
I bumped into doesn't this, give me tracks. I bumped into this guy at the store. He's telling me about his grandkids educating him how at public schools they need to have a litter box in the bathroom because some of the kids are identifying as cats. Yeah. I mean, where does it end? There is such a thing as allowing imagination to run too far. Yeah. There really is. I mean, is I know you talked with John Smith about uh, the, the stigmatism of people seeking help for mental disorders, but mm. is the stigmatism that strong that you wouldn't want to maybe have your kid talk to someone if they thought they were a cat? I think that there has been a stigmatization on certain types of mental instability and, and mental issues, but there's also a lot of other mental instabilities that we have just fucking glamorized for some reason. <laughs> we, we allow ourselves to believe and think out of reality and, you know, nurture or foster horseshit like that. Just because we want people to feel good and I'm sorry, but you're not always going to feel good. And guess what? Reality, sometimes it fucking sucks, but it's real. It is reality. And yeah. if you can't learn to handle reality as it is, then you have a much bigger problem of just believing that you're a cat and want to shit in a box in school. Yeah. <laughs> I, I read a couple books on the whole transgender thing and, um, I think one of them is uh, Irreversible Damage. The other one is When Harry Met Sally. The second one is the one got banned, at least for a while, on Amazon. And When Harry one, Met Sally. Isn't that a movie? Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, When Harry Became Sally. Oh, okay. Yeah, When Harry Met Sally. That's why I always get it confused, because there's a movie that yeah is The Met. This one is When Harry Became Sally. Yeah. And one thing they touch upon that the media won't touch is the people that have regret and people who want to detransition. So you made a decision when you're, let's say a teenager right? and you went through all this hormone blockers and surgery and whatever. And then you realize a little bit, a few years later, that was, I regret this. Yeah. I want to go back to what I was born as. No one wants to talk about that. No one wants to, you know, they have Except this, me. they have this false dichotomy of, you know, the, the people that are making money off this don't, don't, you know, be disillusioned. There's money to be had in this. Oh yeah. Right. The there's selling money of the be, hormone yeah, there's blockers, money to be made the in surgery, everything. right? Yeah. So this yeah. is a big thing. So people are behind this and they're making money. Mm -hmm. Now that's setting aside my conspiratorial angle of it also serves the depopulation agenda, but the people that are, you know, selling you the surgeries and the pills, you know, to basically sterilize you. They're telling you this false statement of, would you rather have a living daughter or a dead son? Right. So the mm. boy wants to become, the boy wants to amputate his penis and become a woman. And they're saying like, if you don't let him do that, he's going to commit suicide. They don't, they leave out the fact that people that have these gender dysphoria problems, they have a higher suicide rate in general. Yeah. So you're not guaranteed to have a living daughter. For all you know, they're going to amputate their member and become this woman and then still be depressed and still have the mental issue and then commit suicide after that. Yeah. You're making it sound like the cure to suicide, right? It's right. a gender transition. Yeah, which it's not. And, and especially with the way that culture is today, it is, con it is completely confusing. The kids have no idea what they want. They don't. We do not mature until we're really at least around mid twenties. We really don't. Yeah. So it's very easy for anyone, you know, under that age to just, 
fall into everything because we are so wrapped up in trying to figure out where we belong. Who are we? What do I want for me? And so it's very easy for people to just, hey, I guess uh, maybe if I cut my dick off and become a girl, then, you know, I'll be uh, I'll be in with this crowd. I'll be somebody. I'll be accepted and vice versa. I mean, you know, it's it's ridiculous. Well, but, so- but we're allowing children who have no idea what they're doing and they're just driven by hormones to go ahead and make this completely life altering decision that should not be made at this point. I'm not saying that if you want to do that, if you want to transition and you want to, you really feel like that's you go ahead, do it. In my opinion, if you're going to do it, fucking do it all the way. This horse shit of, uh, putting on a set of tits and keeping the dick and still using the women's bathroom. Nah, no, 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 no. If you're going to do it, do it all the way. Be a woman or, or a vice versa. Be a guy. I don't care which doesn't matter to me, but go all the way. Don't half-ass anything. But maybe consider waiting until your brain's fully developed in your 20s. Exactly. Consider waiting until commitment. until you've been around the block a little bit and you've tried things out. And when it comes to that whole notion of, oh, well, they're just going to kill themselves if you don't you know, let them do what they want to do and be who they want to be. How about you take some fucking initiative and you actually talk to your kids and you be interested in them and their lives and you show them that you give a damn and, you know, explain to them like, Hey, I know you're probably thinking about a lot of crazy stuff right now. When I was your age, I had no idea what I wanted about anything. I was wrapped up in my own emotions and hormones, and I had no idea what I was doing from minute to minute. But I think you should really wait a little bit later until you make a decision this big. Well, see, I see it very similar to parents living vicariously through their kids in terms of sports. Yeah. Right. So like the ones that there's a documentary called trophy kids and some of these fathers are just absolutely horrible. Oh yeah. Right. I've heard about that one. And, but in this case it elevates the parents because in society's eyes, like, Oh, look how, you know, supportive and loving these parents are that they want to transition their kids. Oh yeah. That's a thing too. So the the parents are basically using their children in a vehicle as a vehicle, but in a different way. Yeah. Well, for themselves to be exactly. To be like, oh, look at me. Exactly. It's it's virtue signaling is what it is. It's the same as assholes today still running around wearing masks and telling everyone to get vaccinated. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I'm glad to, I'm glad I'm glad you said it because I've I've worked so hard on this mask thing and I I, t- I mean my wife even pointed out she's done such a much better job at getting over it and just ignoring it. But I, I just can't. You know, to me it makes no sense when I see someone coming out of pilgrims wearing a mask. Right. Here you are shopping at a more expensive yeah. store. It's a health food store. You want to get all your organics, you know, non-GMO stuff. Right. And here you're coming out with a mask. And I just couldn't help it. Well, say I mean, something snide. My wife yeah. heard it. I don't know if the person with the mask heard it, you know, but it's just like I couldn't help myself. And my wife pointed out later, like, oh, yeah, you know. Well, and, and here's the thing, you know, that's my opinion on it. However, I'm not under I'm not not understanding about the fact that there are people who have serious health issues. And, and maybe it is still not a good idea for them to even get a cold or the flu or COVID or whatever else. So I'm not about to go up to somebody and start bagging on them for wearing a mask. My first instinct when I see somebody wearing one, yeah, is to judge a book by its cover. I mean, that's what we all do. Yeah. No matter how badly people want to say, oh, I don't judge. I don't blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Yeah. you do. Yeah. That's part of survival. That's how you get through life is by judging people constantly on how they look. I mean, it it is what it is. Yeah. 
I don't like that part about me, but I do it. But I mean, part of being mindful, going back to mindfulness is understanding yourself and your own feelings about something and being able to stop and say, well, you know, maybe, uh, maybe they're just starting chemo and it's really not good for them to be around a lot of germs and stuff like that, you know, but maybe they don't have someone to shop for them. And so they still have to do it on their own because you never know what somebody's going through. You really don't. So even though I look at somebody with a mask and I go, fucking pussy. I'm never going to go up to somebody and be like, like, what's wrong with you? Why are you still wearing a mask? You stupid son of a bitch. You know, that's not me. Yeah. I only do that in my head. <laughs> I don't, I don't do that in reality, but I did say this comment about told my wife, but if that person, person were to come up to me and start talking shit, like, why aren't you wearing uh, a mask? You're yeah, putting me in danger. I'd be like, Hey, yeah. how about you walk down that way and go fuck yourself? Yeah. <laughs> That would, that would be a real, yeah, that would be a real issue if I got to that point. But these people you mentioned that are sick, maybe they should take some time and reflect upon why they are sick. A lot of them are sick because of, and quite frankly, the pharmaceutical products mm. they've been pounding. You know, be, one, one, yeah. thing that, one thing they don't like to talk about is about 170,000 people per year will die taking prescription medication as directed. Mm. That, that, hap- that happens, right? And no one wants to talk about it. They didn't take it off label. They didn't take it incorrectly. They took it as was prescribed, mm. right? So a lot of things that are making people sick are actually from the sick care industry itself, yeah. right? Because they, they have motivation to what? They have motivation to sell you the next pill. Oh, yeah. you have an adverse effect from this one pill. Guess what? I got good news for you. We got another pill. And yeah. so then you've got people walking around in their thirties and forties. They got the little days of the week, plastic container flip lids with their different pills they got to take. And they're not supplements. They're all prescriptions, right? The time that I realized that it was all a scam mostly was as I got older and you started seeing the, all those commercials, like the United States and one other country are the only two New Zealand, New Zealand that are actually allowed to run commercials yep. for for medications on TV. Yep. It's ridiculous. But when I started to realize that the whole thing is just a scam was when they started talking about the pill to help with the side effects of the pill. Oh, so take this pill if you have arthritis. Oh, and by the way, you may bleed from your asshole and your heart might stop once every night. But if you take this other pill, this will help that. Oh, and by the way, when you take that other pill, it's possible that your toenails could curl in and uh, you might vomit. Right. You know, and we've every always, hour. And we got plenty of pills. Oh, but we have this other pill you can take to counteract that one. And mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. So on and so on and so on and so on. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> and then like, you know, life expectancy drops. Yeah. And life expectancy in the United States isn't, I don't even know if it's ranking in the top 10 in the world anymore. Yeah. So something's going on. And then it's blatantly you, obvious to me, at least at this point, that they are not looking to cure a, a damn thing. Why would they? Yeah. Right? They're still pissed off at all the money they lost on polio. As this, say, as this saying goes, a patient cured is a customer lost. Yeah. Uh, yep. They don't want they yeah. don't want you cured. Why would they want you cured? And especially like cured by natural remedies by. Yeah. The pharma industry and, is yeah. the guy on the corner. By far. In the, a hoodie. Just far, peddling little baggies. The By far the biggest lobby in DC, right? Spends way more money than anyone else. Yeah. And when Woody Harrelson talks about it for like 30 seconds in a Saturday, you know, circling back to Saturday Night Live, he has a little <laughs> monologue, right? And the script, he, they all prove his point, right? That the pharmaceutical companies buy out the media and they tell you and they scare you and, you go, and if you come out and you don't let, you can only come out if you take their product. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that clip, but 
then what happens after he does that? All the media, right? Rolling Stone, all of them, all the major media sites come out and say like, ooh, Woody's a big conspiracy theorist, but you know. Yeah, they start vilifying him for no damn reason. Like, show me how the sick care industry actually cares about people's health. They don't because they don't get, they'll be like, oh, we're following like standard of care, like protocols and the people are just dying. Yeah. Standard of care using this drug like remdesivir, which was like the worst drug in this like multi-drug study for Ebola. But because the, this drug company said like, yeah, Fauci will give you like kickbacks if you promote it. That's mm. the only drug that's available. Yeah. Right. And these other drugs that have won Nobel prizes and stuff like that, that people have found effective. There's all shun. That's just all, Oh, Rogan's taking like horse dewormer. Right? Yeah. What's he doing? Like, he's not a horse, you know, it's all this, it's all bought and paid for. It's all right. Basically you just have to start with the, the point one is like, it's all a freaking lie, but that's where the problem of greed comes into play with everything. Oh yeah. You know, cause like lobbying, I think, I think everybody at this point probably knows how I feel about lobbying. It's, it's legal bribery. Yeah. It's horse shit. Absolutely. It should not be allowed because you know, the guys in the Senate and in the house and everything else, they're, they're getting kickbacks like, Oh, you know, if you help me pass this deal, Senator, I'll put a little extra something in your, sure. in your campaign. You yeah. Know? So it's just, it's just legal bribery. But then that filters down to the healthcare system, right? Why are doctors allowed to get kickbacks for pushing certain drugs? It's stupid. How about you actually give a damn about somebody's healthcare and you recommend whatever medication is really going to help them and not have something on the table that says, well, if I give them this one, I'm going to get, you know, an extra hundred bucks or whatever it is. Because the medication is really going to help them is going to make them any profit. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah. It is the bottom line. Which means line. most health, most healthcare professionals these days do not give a shit about you. They don't. And then they're not trained to do that. Yeah. Right. They're trained. So I remember when I used to give lectures at my, except for maybe nurses, I really feel that nurses actually care. Nursing is a calling. So I think that if you're in nursing and I have kind of a, I would call him my kind of nephew who recently became a nurse and he really loves it. I'm really glad for him. I'm mm. glad he likes it because I warned everyone, like when I was invited to, you know, a few years to lecture at my old medical school, I would spend the first 10 or 15 minutes being like, don't do it. Yeah. Stop your first year medical students. There's no disgrace. Get out now. Right. Find a way to pay off your, what little loans you've incurred. Do not go down this road. I'm telling you right now, you're going to look back and you're going to remember this lecture, not anything academically that I taught you, but you're going to remember me telling you that you do not want to become a doctor. You think you want to become a doctor, but you don't. Yeah. And turn out, turn around now. And these eyes are like huge and wide and like wide and be like, and then they come back and be like, well, you know, your specialty isn't going to be taken over by AI. And I'm like, well, why isn't all of medicine going to be taken over by AI? Yeah. Essentially, they're just human AI right now. Yeah. They can't think outside the box. They're not allowed to, right? Nobody who had the symptoms of COVID was allowed to be treated outside of the hospital. Like, oh, sorry, there's nothing we can do for you. Let's wait until we can shove a tube down your throat, right? Get an actual 38K per intubation bump the hospital's got. See, no one looked at that either, right? The incentive for every diagnosis of COVID that the hospital's yes. got. Yeah. You want to talk about money and greed yeah. and bottom line. That was what motivated them. So, of course, they're on board. Yeah, they were getting kickbacks. Right. The hospitals were for everyone that they listed as COVID-related and everyone, on a piece of paper. And everyone gets an intubation, they get more. 
Yeah. So you have to put them on a ventilator. And now you're getting more. But yeah. these same people, if you try to treat them to prevent them from getting to the hospital, there's nothing for you. Medicine had nothing to offer. Right. You Sorry. You wait. didn't get a damn thing. And so why is there no connection between that? Like we have nothing to offer you because guess what? Right. You have nothing to offer us in terms of money. You're basically worthless to us outside the hospital. Right. You have to be admitted and then we get our money. Yeah. Right? Well, then they vilified everyone that uh, wanted to talk about, you know, the ivermectin stuff and all right. that. And it's like, okay, well, if we're really, if this is really such a big issue as we're, as we're putting it on this pedestal, right? Yeah. World yeah. lockdown. Yeah. If it's really such a bad thing, why are we not exploring every possible avenue of treatment? Why are we not looking at these things that are outside the box that maybe would be considered um, not, not unethical? That's not the word I'm looking for, but off label usage. Yes. Why are we not looking at these things? Why are we instantly vilifying anyone who wants to talk about something that has Nothing to do with Pfizer and, you know, the, the Fauci jab and all that. Because all the pharmaceutical companies paid the media to do that, right? <laughs> including, including Bill Gates, who openly said on CNBC, CNBC that he's making 20 to 1 off his investments in yeah. pharmaceutical companies. because it, which, the, which to me is Bill Gates saying, hey, you guys are making me fucking rich. Keep doing what you're doing. Right. But to answer your question, the reason why they had to be vilified, these alternative off-label use potential treatments, is because in order to get the emergency use authorization mm. to put these jabs in everyone's arms, there had to be no available alternative treatments. So right. that's the key. Right. So you so have once to you shut you everything have to get down. Once you say else. that's like horse dewormer or yeah. that's for malaria, that's not for this, then the only option you have yeah. are these experimental injections that have basically came to market in 10 months. Right. Right. Yeah. But that's what's horseshit to me is, okay, ivermectin, that's for malaria. Well, if somebody's already tried it and they can show you, right. They, they talk all day long about follow the science, follow the science. Okay. Well, somebody's tried this and they put it down on paper and they've reported several times over again that the science shows that it works, maybe not for everybody, but in a lot of cases, it works. It works well it's enough. Doing not to, something. It works well enough not to be granted an emergency use authorization. That's the point. Yeah. Right. It works at least well enough that you're not getting your EUA. Yeah. Right. So that's the problem. So yeah. that's why it has to not work at all. But in so a, instead of following the science, the saying goes, you should follow the silenced because everyone who was shut up yeah. were speaking about alternatives, including they tried to shut up Joe Rogan. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, Neil Young's going to threaten to remove his music. Like half the people like listen to Rogan, like who the fuck's Neil Young? Exactly. So it's like you're, you're trying your best to shut all these people up. But the people that you have shut up, if you can find them, yeah. their alternative platforms are not going to be on YouTube. Those are the people that you need to listen to because their so-called science has become a cult of scientism. Right. Mm. That's exactly what it is. And when Fauci gets up there and says, when you criticize me, you're criticizing science. So yeah. now I he's, am he's science. like the Messiah. Right. He's the, he personifies science. Well, if it can't be questioned and challenged, it's by definition, not science. Right. And in fact, when people say trust the science, there's trust is never involved with science. Science is always verified. Right. If when you say trust the science, you're treating it as a religion, mm. plain and simple. 
Yeah. Right? You basically have faith in the science. And no one even goes to look and analyze the science itself because doctors don't have enough time. They just have like the summary. Someone say like, it works. The injections work. That's all you need to know. Safe and effective. Just keep peddling it. Get out there. Right? Because they got to pay for their overhead. They got to pay their office staff. They got to pay their medical school student loans. They don't... When are they going to have time, Dave, to sit down and go through the actual methods and materials? Because have you ever looked at probably a, a paper? not? They're, they barely have time for their for their patients. They're you know unless they're doing it while they're trying to golf, right? <laughs> they they're they're so and if you ever looked at these papers, they're so dry and they're so oh yeah. But you have to. But it, the answers are yeah. In I, there. I liken it to reading Catcher in the Rye every day for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> there, I haven't read that in a long time, but it is one of those banned books. The, what was I going to say? Was something about not catcher in the rye about the, Oh, the dry material yeah. of the, in there is where the answers are. And people who have taken the time, some of the people that have been censored, silenced, put on this list of the so-called disinformation dozen, right? That the government came out with mm, saying, don't listen, don't listen to these people because yeah. they're giving you misinformation, right? That they looked at it and they cornered the people that, cause these, this whole pandemic was built on six quote, scientific papers, most of them from South Korea. And all of the authors basically admitted this virus has never been isolated and never been purified and never been shown to be the sole and only cause for the disease being reported. Mm. All six of those papers, all those authors admitted that no one looked at that. No one cared because they're like, we have a worldwide pandemic. Right. And people, another number is the people that want to look at is the fact that what we went from what 38 million cases of the flu in 2019 to 3,200. Yeah. Like it, right. went, it dropped that drastically. Yeah. That was funny to me. It's like all this COVID n nonsense. And it's like, whatever happened to just being sick? Yeah. Whatever happened to having a cold or, or the flu, which, you know, we've been pushing, uh, you know, the flu shot for every year for eons. And now all of a sudden COVID, COVID, COVID. Oh, you have the, you're sick. Well, it's probably COVID. Yeah. No, I think I just have the flu. Right. Now it's COVID. Right. Well, those PCR tests are a whole nother thing. Right. So the guy in, well, yeah, cause they, they can't accurately separate the two right the guy and he was a president i think in tanzania it was one of the, it was an african country i believe it was that one he tested a pheasant a papaya and a coke bottle and they all came back positive with the pcr test <laughs> so he showed that these tests were a sham of course yeah. now he's no longer alive and oh, he's been yeah. replaced by one of klaus schwab's world economic forum minions mystery to me because <laughs> yeah. he wasn't willing to push this nonsense right Oh, wow. He just happened to have a heart attack in yeah. the prime of his research. He died suddenly. Mm. Now oh, people weird. are dying suddenly. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, they, you know. Yes. Interesting. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Well, Rand Paul, <laughs> you know, I have mixed feelings about him, but he's the one who's cornered Fauci at the Senate testimony, and he just cornered the Moderna CEO recently because that Moderna CEO blatantly lied, and he said that, no, there's more, there's a higher incidence of myocarditis in people who've gotten COVID, not people who have gotten the injections. And, mm -hmm. and Rand Paul's like, that's an absolute not true. And I've got six papers here to back it up and I'm going to admit them into record. All of them show that people have had the injections, especially teenage young boys all have a higher incidence of myocarditis than people that have yeah. had the, and that's the, that's the heart. Yes. Yeah. Heart inflammation. 
And that's got, last I checked, something like a 50% five-year, 10-year mortality. So in 10 years, these poor kids, you know, 17-year-old basketball players dropping on the court and that live, yeah. they got myocarditis, like and half of them will be dead in 10, 10 years. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't even think we've started to see the effects. But the evil genius of this, which is so brilliant, Dave, is that when people start dying, when the population really does get cold, What's it going to be due to? It's going to be another variant, right? It's not oh, going yeah. to be due. It's not going to be due to the shots. No one's going to admit that because they're all quote safe and effective. No one's even admitting that they're happening now. When all these it's athletes, going to be Omicron, Zebra, X thirty two. There's more athletes that they're healthy, otherwise healthy, that have died in the last two years that died from mm. like nineteen sixty four up until like two thousand and nineteen or something. I mean, they, they've yeah. taken the numbers. It's unbelievable. Having their hearts randomly stop in the middle of a play that you know any other player has probably been through a hundred million times in the lifetime yeah. of the game. It's just, it's really sad. It's really I'm not saying disturbing. it's not possible, yeah. but I mean, there's come a on, whole, man. There's a whole telegram channel about COVID victims, you know, COVID-19 the, and related to the injections, but there's still a lot of people that are just, you know, like Dick Durbin's like, Oh, I got COVID again. I'm so glad I've, I got the injections and boosted. It could have been so much worse. I'll <laughs> ice that myself. This, this guy's again, like you said, the lobbies, he's, he's getting paid by Pfizer. It's just clear. Just follow the money yeah. and you'll find what's going on. Yeah. And most everyone's just paid and bought off. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking, going back to Neil Young, I find it absolutely hilarious. The guy who's saying, keep on rocking in the free world yes. was so hardcore about shutting down somebody else and somebody else's opinion. What about rage against the machine? What about rage against the machine? Oh yeah. Right. F you. I won't do what you tell me. Yeah. Make, but I want to make sure you're vaccinated to see my concert. Yeah. Unless you're vaccinated, <laughs> you can't come to my show. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Which I, I don't know. I think personally that's probably their front man pushing that crap. I've never yeah. been a fan of that guy. I think he's a fucking asshole. Zach De La Rocha. Zach De La Rocha. Yeah. yeah. He's a Tom Morello. Socialist. Yeah. Absolute amazing guitarist. Uh-huh. But yeah, I think, uh, I think that's mostly a Zach thing. Yeah. Well, and I find it hilarious that, you know, with all of their lyrics and what they sing about from what I have read about them. And again, I think this is more of a Della Roca thing is that they won't do small shows. They won't do like festivals. They won't do, um, you, you know, private shows. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that they won't do that are just little things that could be good for community. They won't do it because unless it's in a huge arena where they're going to make a shit ton of money, it's not worth it to them. This sounds like a socialist. Yeah. Because you're the guy at the top, right? You're the guy with the three mansions. Ah, socialism's the socialism's for the little guys. Right. Socialism's for the crowd. That's right. It's not for the band. Yep. The band, of course, is... The people Socialism. in Elysium with the, with the cancer curing machines. Uh-huh. They're not the people that are down on earth struggling. Yeah. True socialism only really works for whoever it is that's on top. Yeah. It's the person who's implemented the socialist system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that those guys are socialists too. And I used to listen to them. They used to be a playlist to help yeah. increase my energy. If I'm feeling a little bit dragging It's good down, gym music. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's like I need to be picked up before I have to do work or work out. Yeah, I would like yeah. to listen to them. But now, since the, that whole nonsense, I'm just like, uh, Yeah, well, something off. Ken was saying today was basically like, uh, shit or get off the pot. Yeah. You know, if you don't agree with them and you think that they're fucking morons, it doesn't matter if their music is great. Stop listening to them. I have stopped listening to them. You know? And the same thing with the offspring, right? So the offspring? O- the offspring fired their drummer. For what? 
because he wouldn't get vaccinated. Yep. Oh, it so sucks. that's I a whole. Spring. I Fuck know. Them too. I know. So that's a whole. Well, that's the whole sad thing, right? So, and there was a little video on it. I sent to my friend recently because he said, "Yeah, I'm done with Offspring," and he really, he really liked them. He's like, "They're off. They're off my music library now." Yeah. But they had interviews with the other band members, and some of the guy, one of the guys, is like a. I don't know if he's got a PhD or he's got some kind of advanced science degree. I think it's the lead singer. Hmm. And yet, you know, they insisted, but the drummer had his own physician say, you've got all these other health issues like you. I would not recommend this for you, you know, because of these health issues. And he tried to present it to the band like, no, I'm sorry. We just have to replace you. Yeah. So it, just like, I feel like it's kind of a double-edged sword no matter what, because I mean, at this point, if you're talking about, well, I don't agree with them and how they feel about stuff. So screw them. I'm just not going to listen to them anymore. It's in a, it's a form of cancel culture. Yeah. I'm canceling Which I do them. not agree with. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've seen offspring in concert at, at a festival. Um, I have not seen rage against the machine. I still like their music. And then it's the same thing. I mean, if this, if we apply this, dude, we're never watching another movie again. Because <laughs> if you think about all of Hollywood. Yeah. Right. right. We can just see like the Gary Sinise scenes and Forrest Gump and that's it. You know, that's, yeah. the, that's what you'll be left with. You know, maybe John Voight a little bit. Or, I don't know. So you have to kind of pick and choose because most of the people that are artistic, this is why I think the left and the right, just to oversimplify is there they i wish they would kind of look at how they are better together right mm. they're better just symbiotically existing and not being so adversarial because most of the creative minds the geniuses the ones that are real entertainers they're on the left but i think of a lot of the people that can make those entertainers financially successful are on the right because they're more, yeah. they're more geared towards business and investment and that type of thing. I think that's how it is. And it's like, if they just work together, both sides would be happy, right? Yeah. They're relatively happier. Instead, they kind of see like, oh, it's us versus them. And, and I think the people that are at the super top are just all happy that people are shows their throats because they're making even more money. Yeah. Right. Well, in much the same way that, that real men and real women are designed to be a unit and a team and Absolutely. work together in every single way and just mesh. It's the same thing with, it's the same thing with politics and people's mindsets. You have, you know, we have our left and we have our right. And then you got people that are kind of in the middle and you could look at it as each side has their own viewpoint and their own uh, ideas about things. And not necessarily to say that we should cherry pick, but yeah, you kind of have to, everybody should be able to work together and have conversations about things. And you know, this is how I feel about this. Well, okay. And then this is how I feel about this. And the problem is, is that we can't work together anymore. Everyone is so dead set on being right that there is no wiggle room. There is no room for compromise. And that's the important part. And then you've got the people in the center, you know, kind of the, the libertarians that are more kind of like referees, you know, that they're looking, they're looking at team A and they're looking at team B. And it's just like half the time, I'm sure they're like, what is going on in this fucking shit show? Well, what's so interesting is how would you have an, a kind of a confrontation conversation with an intention of perhaps trying to persuade the other party or convert the mind of the other person when basically, as you kind of implied, changing your mind is not allowed. You're not even allowed to really change your mind. Well, right? yeah. In today's society, yeah, you are. Because people are so 
hell-bent on belonging to something and they care about what people think about them, which is one of the biggest problems that they don't want to bend. They want to continue fitting into this puzzle that they're in and they don't want to possibly stand out or have a jagged edge. So that's why people are so unwilling to bend. But I've said this before, any conversation you go into with somebody about anything like this, if your intention first off is to change that person's mind and get them on your side, you've already lost the argument, right? There's no point in having it because all you're going to do is preach, which is going to put the other person off because they're more than likely in the same mindset of, well, I know better. This person's an idiot. I'm going to preach to them and change their mind and put them and bring them over to my side. I had light, to, light to dark, dark to light. I experienced that recently, yeah. actually, in real and life. And it doesn't work. Yeah. The only way it works is if you go into a conversation with an open mind and you say to yourself, these are the things that I believe and this is how I feel, but I'm going to talk to this person because I'm interested in their viewpoint. And you both have to do that. And then you start talking and you bring up both your points and you be open and willing to accepting that maybe your way isn't necessarily the right way. Maybe it's possible for you both to come together and compromise and say, well, you know what? I like what you did here. And I like what this signifies and what you're doing with this. This, I think, is a really good idea. The only thing I don't like about it is this. And this would be my solution to it. And then you work together. Yeah. Why is that so damn difficult for people anymore? The only place that it ever works anymore is in the corporate world. And even that still doesn't work. <laughs> but in the corporate world, they have an incentive, right? Because they think that, that if we are able to collaborate, well, yeah, our bottom line will improve. Right. Right. So we're driven again, by money. There you go. So, so greed is actually still behind the corporate collaboration. Behind everything. Right. So it's like, I'm cu- but for just a curiosity and a, a normal conversation, it's like, why? Like, you know, if you need to just be on Facebook because you want all those other people on your side to see how you are. Look, look at me. I'm championing the cause of our yeah. side, you know, yep. so like, oh, yeah, good as you. Let me give you a little like there. The only real way to solve any problems is to stop giving a shit about what people think about you and to stop virtue signaling. Stop trying to make yourself look good. Make yourself look like who you are. And make yourself look like you're genuine and you actually give a shit about people for real and that you care about what it is you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, until you can do that, I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. It just <laughs> makes me think, that, it makes me think that no one's interested in personal growth anymore. You know, they just are who they not, are. Not real like, personal growth. It. No. Yeah. It's just like, this is how I am. And you're not going to convince me otherwise. My yeah. mind is not open. Yep. You know? So yeah, I mean, you know, people are who they are and there are certain things about yourself that you don't want to or maybe shouldn't change. Mm-hmm. But I think being open to conversation and interpretation of things in a different way that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise seen is huge. I think that's a big part of self-improvement because walking around in this in this headspace of I know everything and I'm right and whatever comes at me from CNN is... <laughs> you know, the Bible, right? right. Well, it must be exhausting. And, and the other way around too. If all you're ever right. watching is Fox news and Newsmax right. and, and you're thinking the exact opposite on the party line, I mean, you're an idiot too. Right. <laughs> and not realizing that there's basically just six major media corporations that are scripted to tell you everything. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's all, it's all coming from the same place. It's just geared one side or the other. It really is. Yeah. It's people want to be on a team. 
Yeah. It's us versus them. Yep. It's uh, yeah, but the way they divide the teams is not But it, it used to be it used to be us Americans versus the oppressive government. That's what it used to be in my opinion. And now it's us versus us and they're doing whatever the hell they want behind the scenes while we're too busy fighting each other and not paying attention. Yeah. They've uh, got us divided and conquered. Yeah. They've, they've totally won on that perspective. Yeah. Yeah, We're too busy looking everywhere else other than what they're doing. Yeah. And they're just getting away. And it's just Just getting away with everything they want. It's a total nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about this uh, topic that's come up now about national divorce? National divorce. You have heard national divorce? No. So the I think, national divorce rate? No, I'm sorry. Um, it's basically another way of secession. Oh, okay. about secession. So different yeah. geographic areas of the land mass that we're on. Yeah. So the, United, the greater Idaho, the, the divided States yeah. of America, Oregon wanting to become part of Idaho. And then I saw something recently about Texas wanting to secede from the U S which, I mean, I don't know so much about anymore these days, but I mean, in the past it's entirely possible. I mean, Texas has one of the, you know, biggest economic capitals of, of any state. Sure. I mean, they could leave and survive on their own. Sure. I mean, so that's, that's kind of what the topic has been now. It's like, okay, so we can't, as you pointed out, we, we haven't evolved collectively as humans, at least in this area to be able to respect each other, be curious about each other and to collaborate. We are always being confrontational with our viewpoints. We're getting more entrenched in our point of view and we're not basically capitulating to anything that other person says or the other side says. So why don't we just, you know, divide into areas and not have to be connected to this federal government Leviathan that's basically taken over all of us and just be like, okay, yeah, you can put in parts. I mean, I guess, Someone decides if you want part of Eastern Oregon to be part of greater Idaho, but essentially Idaho would be its own country, much like Texas or the whole right. Northeast. And yeah, you're going to have, yeah, I didn't even pl- think about that. That would make Idaho a pretty damn big state at this point. Huge. Yeah. You would, you, it's already a huge state, right? Yeah. The, you would put, uh, and there would be some blue areas in red States and red areas in blue States. But as long as you can keep talking, I got to grab some water. Do you need some water? No, I'm okay. Thanks. But as long as you, uh, you know, respect the right of someone, another group of people to exist within the same land mass as you and not, because that's one thing that's a concern about the national divorce. Okay. So Texas is going to secede from the United States. They're going to become their own country. Well, what about all those people in Austin? What about all those blue people that are inside the state of Texas? Well, what's going to happen to them? Well, if they decide to stay, you know, the government of Texas doesn't single them out and destroy them or kill them. Yeah. You know, they, they, they're they're going to let them exist inside the new country of Texas. And if they see fit, if they don't like the new country of Texas, of course, they're always free to leave peacefully or they just peacefully don't comply with whatever the new government of Texas laws might be. That would be interesting though, to have to get a passport just to go to Texas yeah, <laughs> or, or come out of Texas. I mean, there could, their new country could have the law. It's like, okay, if you have an, if you have an ID from any of the, uh, any state that's adjacent to Texas, or they could say like, you just have to show that you don't really necessarily have to have a passport. But the major thing is to be disconnected from Washington, DC. Right? right. That's the major thing. I wonder if that happened, if Texas seceded, how illegal immigration would change 
Exactly. So in, that's another in, issue. In that area. Because it's now that their own country, they can put up the wall yeah. that Mexico has with Guatemala. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. People don't want to see that wall. Yeah. Right? So they could do that if they wanted to. But right now, the federal government apparently is in charge of the federal government's border because that Texas border is actually the federal government's border. Right. And they don't want to do anything. Yeah. And why should they? Because they live thousands of miles away. Well, and the government still has to approve them seceding, which I highly doubt will ever happen. Same with the greater Idaho thing. The federal government has to approve Oregon splitting in two and the eastern side of it becoming part of Idaho. No, It doesn't matter if we all vote on it and both sides say yes. If the federal government says no, then it's not going to happen. So then it when won't you, be recognized. So then when do you just stop recognizing yourself, the federal government? It's like, you know what? That's a good question. It's like, I don't care what you say. We're doing this. Yeah. And it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to send in troops to stop us? You're going to send in troops to Idaho, the most strapped <laughs> freaking state in the union. That's where strapped. you're going to do it. You know, I mean, motherfuckers, we strapped Montana, Idaho. That's what I keep telling my wife. It's like, you know, we're in the best area because guns per capita. Oh yeah. There's like, it's like the three around here, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, and then Arkansas. Like not even Texas has like the ranks in the top four for guns per capita. It's yeah. like the, those states are the ones that are just totally. So it's like you're going to send them into Idaho, like to 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 what force us to maintain our our boundaries. Yeah, I mean that's honestly that is one of the things I love about Idaho. The last time that we went for coffee, uh, on my way out the door, first thing that I noticed was a guy sitting with his you know his kids. I think uh, near the door at one of the tables that look out the window, open carry. He's just got his piece on his hip. And I, and I saw that and I was like, hell yeah, brother. Yeah. But then I th like immediately at the same time had that thought of, I wonder how many people in here are really uncomfortable that this guy is here, yeah, which I, I don't think at that place anybody would be, you know, it, it yeah. doesn't seem like, like that kind of vibe yeah. of people that, that go there, but still there's always somebody. It's a lot different in Northern Idaho than Southern California. If you had some, yeah, in Southern California, that guy would be getting guy, thrown out. I would have to be a cop. Eat shit. Yeah. Even in places in Washington, oh, I'm sure. you know, yeah, it would be an issue. Yeah. A friend of mine, he, he carries everywhere mm -hmm. and, uh, they were at the Spokane Valley mall recently and they were just, they were just shopping. It was him and his wife and his kids. And you know, he, he reached to get something and he doesn't open carry. He concealed carries, mm -hmm. but somebody that was nearby saw his piece when his shirt it, came it up, it became unconcealed. Yep. And they reported him to the store manager who then reported it to mall security, who then came and asked him to leave because it made somebody uncomfortable, even though he wasn't doing it. He, it's not like he pulled it out and was wielding it and flashing it to people or nothing. He was just there shopping with his family. Yeah. Yet if some, but somebody got triggered by seeing it and got scared, but the triggering only goes one way. If some woman, biological birthing person, whatever you want to call her is in her gym locker room and gets triggered or offended or upset that a biological male who identifies as a woman comes in and sees her topless and reports that to the gym manager. Well, what happens? She gets her membership revoked. Mm, yeah. She's transphobic. Yeah. So what happens with these gun phobic people? Yeah. Or whatever you want to call them. Firearm phobic. That's yeah. a little bit too long. This whole phobic horseshit pisses me off to no end. Yeah. Because I'm not phobic. You don't fucking scare me. Right. I just don't agree with you. Right. And it's like, you're more virtuous. <laughs> There's a difference. Yeah. Because I'm phobic. Yeah. Like, I'm not afraid. Why am I? I'm, I'm afraid of someone who 
doesn't know themselves even biologically. Yeah. Why would that be scary to me? Well, like Dave Chappelle and all that Are crap that he went through recently with oh, his yeah. last uh, special mm-hmm. and everybody was giving him shit about being transphobic and all this yeah. stuff. And, and, and he put it in so many words that same thing I just said, I'm not transphobic. I just don't agree with your style of life and the things that you believe. Right. You don't scare me. It is not a phobia. Right. I just don't agree with you. And I have, my own opinion about it. And I'm entitled to my opinion, just like you're entitled to yours. Right. And so why can't we just have our own opinion, leave each other the fuck alone and move along. And some of these pro abortion people are like, Oh, keep your rosaries off my ovaries. Like they're <laughs> thinking like, the, okay, the, okay. The, 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 the Christian right is going to be coming down on us and like wanting to impose their religion and their viewpoints on us. Like, well, when the shoes on the other foot, they don't see the irony in that. Yeah. You know, I think it was one of the popes that said in the name of, tolerance has become intolerance. Yeah. Right. So now like you're tolerating everything to the point where like it's intolerant, right? Yeah. They're only interested in tolerance and inclusion as long as you believe what they believe. Right. And then you are absolutely excluded. Right. You're free to speak as much as you want. As as long as as you say what we want you to say. Exactly. And diversity is only a matter of ethnicity. It's not a matter of opinion. Yeah. Right. Your opinion can't be diverse from mine. Your viewpoint can't be diverse from mine. You just need to look different from me. Yeah. Right. Yep. That's, that's, it's all, it's all disheartening. Right. And so it's even more disheartening when you have, you know, someone that you've been, that you care about, that you love dearly, that you've been trying to prepare for the world that, you know, that they, you've been raising them in your little nest called the home and you're going to send them out into the world soon to do their own thing and become an adult. Cause it just, you look at it and it's just like, do I really want to send them out in, into this world? So I think some of these adults, you know, Ken mentioned it earlier this morning at coffee that are in their twenties, perhaps thirties that are still living at home with their parents. I wonder how much of that is actually because the parents want that. I think that's a big part of it. I mean, these days, yeah. You know, the whole living vicariously through your children thing. I think it's, it seems like it's harder for parents to let go anymore for some reason. I think another part of it is that, I mean, with the way the economy is right now, it's extremely difficult for anyone to just that's a make major, their own way in the world. That's a major it's ridiculous. Factor. Yeah, that's a major factor. So that's a huge factor. And then the other thing is that uh, culture, you know, we, uh, I think, yeah, Ken was talking about how, you know, 1899, it was commonplace for a 12 year old to have a full-time job right? and to be helping out, you know, plucking chickens and, and uh, wrangling pigs and working on the ranch and all that stuff. I mean, that was, that was normal. That was everyday life. Yeah. If you could see over the bar, you could go in and get a beer, Yeah, you know, and you had to because life sucked. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but kids today are not the same children that they were even when I was growing up, you know, in the, in the eighties and nineties, it's just not the same thing. Yeah. We don't push for, we, we coddle children so much to keep them in this place of, you know, childhood is so special and, you know, you should embrace it and enjoy it as long as you can. And while that's true, children also need to learn the value of a hard day's work and how to fend for themselves and how to make a life for themselves, which includes going to work, getting a job, being yeah. able to hold a steady job, being able to balance a damn checkbook. I mean, we don't use checks anymore, but it's still something you should know. Right. You know, common basic economics and how things really work in the real world. Yeah. I mean, and that's, it doesn't seem common anymore. Ken made the, the comment of um, 28 is yeah. the new 18. Yeah. 
Well, then you have the what's resulted in what is common is man boys. So you got yeah. you got biological age related like men. You're supposed to be a man legally. You're a man. Yeah. Chronologically, you're a man and based on the amount of time you're in there. But you're still a boy. Yeah. Right? You're still acting like a boy. You're not. You have not put away these childhood boyish things. You're still clinging to them. Right. Because someone told you like, oh, childhood is so precious. Like, well, let me just carry it well into adulthood and never take responsibility. Right. Yeah. I look at 20 year old guys today as 12 year olds. Yeah. I, I get along more with my old soul, you know, with people in their forties and fifties than I do with, you know, even some people of my own age group. <laughs> Cause I mean, there's still a lot of us too. I'm, I'm what millennial. I think so. Something like that. I, I don't 40, know. 36, 38, 38. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of us too that were on the, that tail end of what I would consider real childhood you know where you still had to learn some hard shit mm-hmm. we're right on the end of that and then it went into all this coddling horse shit and helicopter parenting and and trophies for showing up and all that yeah yeah i i mean my con- it sucked when my t-ball team lost and you had to go and shake hands with the other team that was now going to go get to eat pizza and have fun mm. but i cherish the fact that when i lost i lost yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you reminded me of one of the most heartbreaking losses when I was a kid. I was 10 and the Little League team, and we had the best pitcher in the league. In fact, he's probably the he's the only one that I know. He was in my class, and he went on to play minor league baseball. He's now like a doctor of medical dentistry, and he's got all these degrees, and he's like an orofacial surgeon. But he could throw at the age of nine years old, he could throw so fast. And I was the catcher and I had to put like a sponge in my glove because, and no one could hit mm. him. Right. But he couldn't really pitch the, the whole game. And we we're in this playoff game and uh, they would occasionally use me as a relief pitcher, but not because I could throw fast, but because I could throw an accurate bloop ball. Mm. I just threw this bloop like the, almost like a softball, like slow pitch softball. And people had a hard time hitting it because they're now, they were used to this guy throwing like fast. You were the secret the weapon. And I had this thing. Well, talk about, this is probably the earliest point in my life when I learned the lesson about how emotions can affect your behavior. This one guy came to bat and we were winning the game. This one guy came to bat who I couldn't stand on the other team. I could not stand, <laughs> right? And I lost focus of like my blue ball. And I tried to throw the ball hard. Well, for me, throwing the ball hard at age 10 was just meat. It was probably like a balloon up there for that guy. And he ripped it into left field. And the game-winning run scored, and we lost the game. Mm. And I remember Kenny, who was the pitcher who threw really fast, he, whenever he had a bad game, he would, like, cry. And I remember him, like, crying like a little kid. And so he would always cry. This this game, when I lost the game, I was the only one crying. <laughs> Kenny wasn't crying. I was so upset. But, but now looking back, you remind me of that. Like, that was a painful loss. It was one of my first, but it reminds me of the lesson. You got a job to do. Try and separate emotion from the job that you have to do. Yeah. You know, because sometimes I, that's a lesson that's recurring in life. Right. You know, but I know about, I know about little league losing. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, sometimes loss is difficult and if you got to cry, you got to cry, but you also have to take away from that, that sometimes you're going to lose and it sucks. How am I going to handle this next time? Well, I mean, depending on the situation next time, I'm not going to cry. I'm just going to figure out what I did wrong or what I could have done better and try that again. Yeah. I've 10, if only my 10 year old brain could have processed all that. Right. I can, I can process it now. Look back on it. The best 
story that I have though from that team. It was the Rotary Club. Our uniforms were purple. And uh, one day I got a, ra- a ride to the game from the coach who happened to be the pitcher, Kenny's older brother. He, Kenny was like one of nine kids. And so the coach drove us in his little camper. And so I changed out of my purple plaid pants from school into the uniform. And I was catching that day. And the team we were playing had such a popular support that all of their stands were completely full. And on our side was only like the team mother, the mother of these two, the mother <laughs> of the coach and the pitcher was just over there and doing her knitting. And on this open little league field, I'm on second base and I look across left field all the way over there and I see the outhouse and I'm like, I got to go. I got to go to the bathroom, like time out, time out. And Kenny, the star pitcher, who's also a great hitter is at plate and the third base, who's the manager says, don't worry about it. He's going to, He's going to hit you in. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, I got, no, I have to go. Right. And I had to go so bad that I tried to squeeze my nuts to like prevent <laughs> myself from going. Right. And I reached down there and all I could feel was the hard plastic of the cup oh. and the warmness of the urine running. Through oh my man. Yeah. And here it is. The sound of it hitting second base and the second base, And you hear this huge stands of people on the opposing team just laughing. Just laughing there. And that's rough. The second baseman's like, my base, my base. (laughs) And I'm like humiliated. I'm like, well, I'm in the middle there. Now the coach doesn't know what to do. I got a player pissing on second base. (laughs) So he gives me the steal sign. So I slide and steal third successfully. I get up. There's like mud all stuck (laughs) to my pants. Right. I eventually get hit in. I score. And then I have to go back to the trailer to change into my school pants because they had me pitch the last inning. And so here I am, the only kid with like the bottom half of their uniform is their school outfit. Like <laughs> luckily it matched, but that was the time I pissed on second base. <laughs> that's a true, that's honest God, true story. I was 10, 10 years old. Oh, that's Horrible. great. That's my most, possibly my most embarrassing <laughs> moment. I wasn't expecting on telling that story today, but oh, but you own it though, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, luckily it was that long ago. <laughs> yeah. But you can look back on it now and laugh your ass out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I can't. Well, shit, man. On that note, yeah. let's, let's close on that story. Yeah, I got to take a piss now and I'm not going to piss in your chair. I'll yeah, tell you you're that. probably not wearing a cup. I'm not definitely not wearing a cup. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on again. This is awesome. Thanks, Dave. I always enjoy talking to you, buddy. Um, likewise. And uh, everybody, thank you for showing up. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. We all appreciate it. Uh, you can hit us up at GIGpodshow at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any suggestions, feedback, you want to tell us we suck, whatever it is, go ahead and hit us up there. We are also on Facebook, Guys in a Garage podcast. And uh, you can also leave us a message on used to be Anchor. And now I believe it is Spotify for podcasters. You can go on there and leave us a voice message. Hit us up sometime. Thank you and keep on grinding.